Hey everyone, this is Luke, and welcome to another episode of Exploring Kodawari. This episode is me and my fiance Yanka having a conversation about the meaning of marriage, specifically to us, but also just more generally as a phenomenon, something that has existed for thousands of years in almost all cultures. We talk about marriage rates, divorce rates, and some of the pros and cons of how different cultures approach marriage. We also thought through the biological and evolutionary aspects of this practice. It's easy to forget that we are part of the great ape family and that the practice of stable and monogamous relationships is actually quite rare in the animal kingdom. But most of what we talk about is the personal, psychological, and spiritual aspects of marriage. What does it mean to make an oath that you can never leave? Is it good or bad to be stuck in a marriage? And when is it morally okay to leave? What role should love play in marriage? We definitely didn't settle on definite answers to these questions, but mostly use them as a sort of jumping off point for conversation. Okay, lastly, I just want to make a small reminder that if you enjoy listening, we hope that you'll consider supporting us with a donation through our PayPal links. You can do that one time or recurring. Thanks to those who are already donating. We greatly appreciate it. There is no amount too small, and every little bit helps us, both for the website hosting fees and also for the hours a week it takes to write articles, plan and record the show, editing, etc., etc. Most of all, just thanks for listening, though. Every time I check the download stats, it makes me happy to see that the numbers are growing and growing, and people seem to enjoy it. All right, that's it for now. Stay safe out there and enjoy the episode. All right, Yanka, it started. Oh, all right. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, good. How's it going, my fiance? We haven't seen each other in a while. <laughs> We're actually um, sitting in our bedroom. Uh, Bianca's like, yeah, I'll do a podcast with you, but as long as I can sit in bed while doing it, so <laughs> maybe we'll post the picture of it. But we are drinking wine. Yeah. Which wine are we drinking? Um, Let's get to that. Roth Estate 2016 Cabernet Sauvignon, Sauvignon. from Sonoma County. It's pretty good. We had it at a dinner party the other night, and yeah. then... Um, it earned a second purchase. Absolutely. So yeah, um, about a month and a half ago, we would have been husband and wife. That's so crazy to think of, yeah. Isn't it? It is. Like we set a wedding date, we planned a wedding, and then now to look back and think, wait a second, I would have been married? It seems kind of crazy. Yeah, it does seem crazy. I mean... But I think that's kind <laughs> of, uh, as we'll get to, I think that's embedded in the meaning of marriage is the fact that it is crazy, but like... Life is crazy, so you need other crazy things to sort of balance it out, something like that. How would you define marriage? Oh, hard. Well. Not like academically, you know, <laughs> philosophically, just like for you personally. Like, did you think about it your whole life or were you, you know? Oh, I mean, if the question is like that, I never thought of it. Like some people growing up, like always kind of envisioned that, like, oh, my husband, like, what am I going to get married? Like, what am I going to meet? I don't know. I just... Never had that fantasy in my head, but like it, it is very like normal for me. You know what I mean? It's not like out of ordinary, this crazy event, like just this extraordinary thing. I think like I, I'm complimenting right now. Like what I mean is like, I don't praise it so much because, you know, you and I, like we have some form of a connection already that is just, that's uh. not going to really change much in a good way. Like, obviously, it's going to also change a lot, but... So you didn't think much of it when you were younger. Has that changed now? Um, no. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I mean, of course it's changed. Um, yeah, of course, after, especially, we decided that we want to get married, then I obviously started putting a lot of thought into it. I think we talked about it before, you know, 
we got engaged, right? At least we had a few conversations about it. I know I definitely changed my mind in a pretty um, drastic way at some point. Yeah, you were not into the idea as much, I guess. I mean, I wasn't either. So, like, I think it was like a collective getting into the idea type of thing. Well, I got out of a long-term relationship before we met. And I was sort of coming online in a lot of different ways. Um, Just obviously that's what happens when you're 25. But I remember thinking, all right, I think I've settled on two life principles. And one of them was um, almost everything seems to occur in some kind of a balance. So like there are no just singular values. Like you're always balancing values against each other. And just always be generally aiming for a balance, not always 50-50, but like like having fun in life and being responsible or, you know, any of the things that you, especially in your 20s, are trying to balance. Like just find a balance. Mm-hmm. If you're too focused on career and you don't have fun, then you're 35 and you're like, oh, shit. You know, I wasted so many of my good years. Um, and the other life principle was always be willing to change your mind. And like change your life situation, you know, mm-hmm. be very open to change. And so I thought, well, that fits perfectly for a relationship, right? And I remember thinking um, the idea that a relationship is beautiful because you can leave and you choose not to. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? That was, I, w- I would say that was me from age 25 to like 28. And now I'm 31. In the past three years, I've sort of shifted more to like, I still think that's a nice thing, but I don't know if it's as, um, what would you say? I don't know if it's as um, deeply true as something like marriage has the potential to be. Uh I understand. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Of course, it's important to make that shift at some point. Otherwise, like... What shift? The shift of like, oh, like I can leave whenever I want to, oh, like we're in this together. Like no matter what, we're a team, like whatever is happening, we're going to figure out we can just like walk away. So that's, those are two different ideas though, right? Wait, why are they different? um, I can leave and choose not to is very different than I won't leave. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean. In other words, I guess is the, is the definition of marriage, I can't leave or I won't leave. I mean, it's not I can't leave. That would be kind Literally, of psychotic. It's not, right? Yeah. Because you can. You can, you can get, get a get divorce. divorce. Exactly. But what I mean is, what I mean by saying, like, it's important to make that shift is I was also seeing it like that. I'm like, yeah, fuck this. Like, whenever I'm pissed at you, I'm like, yeah, fuck this. I'm out of here <laughs> type of thing. But, um. And is yeah. that good or bad? Bad, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's just important to kind of see things as not like me, but more like a, it's an us thing. Like, no, whatever is redefining, in our, on our way. Yeah. Redefining two individuals <coughs> are coming together as one th- one thing, one entity. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a lot of what influenced um, me even thinking of, of, of this as something to care about was the idea of us getting married. And so I just started to just research and watch things and read what psychologists, philosophers, religious things had to say about marriage. Just because I'm the kind of you know, person that if I'm going to do something, I want to know what I'm doing. Hello, you Googled marriage when you decided well, to get married to me. <laughs> turned out I learned a lot. Well, congratulations. Because like you go to a lot of weddings and, and it, it all seems like 
a lot of things are said. Well, I learn what I need to learn from those weddings, like how to not figure it out. That's dangerous. <laughs> you almost dropped my iPad that doesn't have a case Wine, yet. Wine, iPad, yep. podcast. Sad. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I, I'm just, I was just trying to make a joke, being like, oh, like I learned what is not supposed to happen in those weddings. You know what I mean? Oh, this is definitely not how I'm... Oh, this is have not my, what I want to do. Yeah, not even just wedding. Like, just this is the type of, like, I see, like, weird looks, like, that people give to each other. Like, you have a lot of chance to, like, observe couples and right, everything. Right. But or if you if you notice, like, um, you know, this is supposed to be a really magical spiritual day. And then all of a sudden, someone's really stressed out about some detail not going quite the right way. Yeah, and, it's like, and you're like, isn't isn't this about something bigger than... Um, the 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 three thousand dollar limo you paid for that didn't show up or this or that whatever the detail no, is you don't get it okay <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't get it with most Indeed. women probably that's Excuse why I'm lucky me that's why I'm lucky to have found you I mean because like if if I had a wedding day and the the bride to be was um, freaking out about some kind of like aesthetic detail mm -hmm. that would really upset me I'd be like aren't you aren't you isn't this about something else? Like maybe the aesthetics can be nice and I, I wouldn't be against, you know, things being fancy in one direction or another. I mean, I uh, probably wouldn't be freaking out about things that are I know out you of wouldn't. my control. That's, <laughs> like, that's, but that's why you're different. You would just go, well, that happened. A car just crashed into the side of the wedding, but they said we can still do it. You know, the <laughs> yeah. wedding venue, I mean. Yeah. Wedding. <laughs> I mean, also, I'm the type of person that's not trying to like match the groomsmen, like men's... um. For shirt people color, to buy all, like, all certain clothes. Yeah, shirt stuff, color yeah. to my like flower colors or something. Like I don't care about any of that. So It's pretty common to, to do that here. And people do things in culture like wedding stuff because it's just assumed, right? It's like, oh, of course you do that. Well, so it's common to this. spend like $100,000 on the wedding and then just right. be broke for the rest of your life. Right. <laughs> like That's also quite interesting. The one we were planning was, was going to be one, one of the cheaper, but I think quite nice weddings I've been to because I like I like subtle and small. Anyways, let's not make this about weddings. Let's make it about yeah, <laughs> marriage. <laughs> sure. But yeah, we would have been married and we don't know what we're doing in terms of that. Um, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I think you and I are both the kind of person that also understands the logic of just like going to a courthouse to get married. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people that have done that. I remember speaking to an oboe player who did that and she was trying to convince me to do that. Just like mm -hmm. in terms of it was really cheap. We, you know, got a big space in a restaurant and then all stayed in the same hotel in, in New York. And it was quite nice and it was subtle and we didn't have to feel that guilt of spending a bunch of money kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I would have, I, I wouldn't be against anything like that. We were still talking about weddings. Help. Shit. All right. <laughs> Just so with that. <laughs> you would, you would roughly define marriage as the idea that two individuals become one entity Right. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it was like a dictionary definition. But no, I, I think that's true. And I think the other aspect of it is that you can't leave. Yeah. Also, like in a relationship, you can Won't still leave. become. Yeah. In a relationship, you can still become one entity. But somehow marriage makes it different. But I'm not really sure. I mean, there are a lot. You're still an individual, but but you're both. Well, um, I guess we can get right into the spiritual element of the definition i remember hearing weirdly enough um, a bible lecture by the psychologist jordan peterson i got into his bible lectures just because they're about the you know he's he's using the bible as a template but he's also talking about just general psychological 
concepts. I mean, I think the lecture series was called The Psychological Significance of the Bible. And I also got into it because I was getting into Bible reading for studying Bach and like playing trumpet parts in Bach and trying to figure out the the biblical passages and the religious, um, you know, symbolism and ideas that are embedded in Bach's music. And mm -hmm. it really helps you play it. So I got interested in just these Bible lectures and he was talking about, I don't even remember which one it is. I'll, I'll link it and find it. But the, the um, idea of marriage in the Bible and, and some of the lines that are three sentences long, but have so much wisdom in it. And one of them was referencing this idea that was a Nordic tradition of the, the two people holding a candle above their heads. Oh, I heard of that, yeah. Um, I think people, some people do that here too, like still just to be cool, I guess. I don't know. So I've never personally seen that, but I remember um, finding a quote here about it. You know what? I think I copied and pasted it up here. All right. So, and it's also related. Well, I'll just read the quote. Jesus. <laughs> Wine's hitting me. All right. Because what's above you is what you're below too. It signifies something transcendent. Why do you both hold on to it? Because you're both supposed to hold on to the light, right? And you're supposed to be subordinate to the light. You ask, well, who's in charge in a marriage? Well, the light. <laughs> right? I, should I do it in my Jordan Peterson voice? Well, the light. Okay, that like, was horrible. The light. <laughs> like, that's the idea. Like, yeah. Good. <laughs> All right. Back, back to the quote. Um, so the light's in charge. That's the idea. So you come together as one thing. You're no longer two things. It isn't what's good for you. And it's not what's good for your wife. It's what's good for the marriage. That's exactly what I just said. Yeah. I'm awesome. Quite I'm very wise. <laughs> You're wiser than the Bible. Yeah, um, clearly. And the other thing he says about marriage in that same conversation is that um, the thing worth knowing about marriage too, and I learned this in part from reading Young, what do you do when you get married? You take someone who's just as useless and horrible as you are, and then you shackle yourself to them and you say, we're not running away no matter what happens. That is interesting. Just as useless and what as you are again? Uh, just, uh, just as useless and horrible as you are. <laughs> I love that. That is so accurate. Well, so I love... No offense to anyone in this room, but... <laughs> I generally love when um, Peterson or, or any any kind of psychological thing is talking about just admitting how horrible human beings are yeah. and, and not in the way that we're irredeemably horrible. Like the whole concept is we are redeemable, but it's so it starts with admitting your dark sides, right? Yeah, absolutely. But it can also get magically amazing. I mean, I don't want to drift the topic, but you know. Drift away, it's a podcast. All right. I mean, I was reading all these news about there was this earthquake in Turkey and, you know, they were trying to like rescue people on their buildings and like all those like interviews I watched, like someone came out after 65 hours. Like it really made me like someone, like a total stranger saved the kid and he was sobbing, talking about it. Like it just, the I don't know. The rescue guy that was sobbing. Yeah, right? the rescue guy was sobbing. And like, you know, sometimes like we see all those dark sides, but like there are moments like this that I'm like, wait, this is so, like we have this side to us too that we forget. Like we can be also remarkably incredible creatures i don't know yeah and well the question is are we 50 50 are we like 52 48 
You you can answer that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke, actually. That's an inside joke because in our in our relationship fights, I always like throw out percentages. I'll be like, well, you know, like you're doing that like eighty percent of the time. She's like, where'd you get that number from? I'm like, I don't know. Trust it's just, me, I know. <laughs> yeah, trust me, Trump. I got the numbers. People are telling me that that Yanka that uh, forgets to do the dishes eighty percent of the time or whatever. Um. So yeah, that's funny. But I I agree with you. I think. Um, gosh, what's the quote? It's something along the lines of like the, 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 the great moments of inhumanity in your personal life, but also for humanity. And if you just look at history at, at beautiful moments, you know, they, they only, they only stand out as beautiful in contrast to the fact that reality can be quite dark, you know? So like for Peterson, one of his main themes in, in his lectures and and his books is that life is suffering. It's filled with chaos and things are going to happen. One of you might get cancer. One of your family members will definitely die at some point, you know, whether it's parents or, or something worse and other chaos will come into your life. And it's like, mm -hmm. if you think of the metaphor, like those are storms that you're going to encounter and you want to know how deeply moored am I, right? Mm -hmm. You know what a moor is? No. <laughs> I love how I you just said. <laughs> I mean, I got the general idea. I guess that's I'm pretty good at knowing uh, when when your your mm-hmms are like. I'll figure that word out later. So it's like um, a boat that's not on an actual dock. It's like those boats out in the water, mm -hmm. and the moor is that like little floating thing that you know it goes deep down and, and drills into the ground, so it keeps oh, the boat okay moored in Wait, place. What's it in Turkish? I forgot. Mm. I how did I forget? Well, whatever. You've been in America too long. I think that's what's going on, yeah. Um, so the idea of like, you know, there's a storm around you, the waters are going crazy, but you're moored to something um, secure, right? Yeah. Um, and if you think about that Abraham Lincoln quote we said the other day, something about like, find a, find a good place to stand, pl plant your feet in a good place and stand firm, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, like the idea of having some firmness against reality because reality is going to constantly be throwing shit at you. And if you aren't careful, it will corrupt your character as it's doing that, right? Yeah. I've seen a lot of people get corrupted by the current tumultuous times of our politics and the election cycle and stuff where, like, I think me and you have tried to just stay detached and just say, like, there's a lot of emotional energy going around everywhere in all directions. Yeah. I mean, we've had Trump rallies and... and oh, God, <laughs> you know? yeah. And, and so, like, when reality gets a little bit dangerous and scary and or society feels unstable or your family is unstable because there's something happening yeah it's like how how deep do my character traits go down and how strong will they stay no matter how tough reality gets right yeah remember like in the beginning of the pandemic like just a lockdown it was like pretty much i mean not the beginning but pretty much around the same time same time as like george floyd stuff like just there was so much going on around may Remember, like, we would go out on walks and then I would constantly tell you there's something off with people, like, the way they look. Like, there's just, like, something, like, so... Part of it was like, the masks off. in that you're not seeing the lower half of people's faces, so the way they look at you looks a little bit more intense. And yeah, like, like, I didn't want to go out for a while because I was getting very uncomfortable, like, seeing people because I felt like they were staring weird, like, every each other but anyway people just were have a growing mistrust of each other right yeah and and i think that 
that that could just be a general energy in there. It could also just be a pandemic thing. Like, yeah, there's a disease going around, and like if I'm inside, I'm always looking around, like which which fucker is like. I mean, the bigger idea is what I'm trying to say is like you need someone. Like, obviously, a friend will do, but like someone that you know so well, like to have like a reality check, like in those months. Like, you are the person that I would just, like, look at you. I'm like, okay, uh, look, you know, everything is okay. Like, you, I would ground myself, like, knowing that, like, okay. Like, am I losing my mind? Like, is a simulation collapsing type of feeling? And then, like, in, I don't know, in that way also, I think. In the way that important. any individual needs another individual to sort of balance their sense of reality from, right? Yeah. yeah I think I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. And And then, speaking of being moored to something, right, the marriage itself becomes your stability, right? Um, It's the idea that the only thing constant is change, right? What was that, the the ancient Greek philosopher Heraclitus? Heraclitus. 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 I think that's what we we were calling it. Yeah, I forgot. So it's like, okay, then what what endures if everything's always changing, right? Mm -hmm. That's just too chaotic. Now, obviously, things change at different rates. So like, if you aged 20 years every night, you know, that would be too chaotic, right? Mm-hmm. You age very gradually. Um, if your house deteriorated at a rate that was, you know, too much, then then everything around you would be too chaotic, right? When your car doesn't work, things feel more chaotic because there's just another part of your, you know, model of reality that you can't depend on. When I had a shit car, every <laughs> time I, I had to drive to a concert, there was that voice in the back of my head that says, you stupid idiot, you're going to be halfway to this gig and your stupid ass 1987 pickup truck is definitely not going to make it. And I'd be on the side of the highway putting like oil in that thing. We needed to punch the wheel, remember one day? For you to turn. Like it was just locked in one place and you were trying to turn it and you were trying to make it to a train. And then I just thought of like the most innovative Turkish thought. Oh, that was my other old car, yeah. I had a a concert in the city and... Um, we got out of stop and shop. I'm like, oh, I should probably leave now. Like I need to get to like, the trade. We steering wheel was first turning. time it's ever happened. <laughs> it was incredible. The steering wheel just like locked in place and you couldn't get the key in or something like yeah. that. Right. No, do you remember like that thought like came for me? Cause I was like, yeah, I'm Turkish. Like, like we hit on TV when it doesn't work. Can you just like hit on the wheel a little bit? Like, and you just person. like punch the wheel and then and it, it worked. worked. I was like, like yep, that, always works. I'm not going to turn the car off until I get to the train station now, but <laughs> cool. Glad that that worked. Um, totally related to marriage you know all these things I'm trying to say that like so many things in life can get unstable and the concept of a marriage would be you have at least one rule that's stable right we will never leave each other Yeah, and that as an idea is quite powerful because mm-hmm. when you have something that's stable you can build other things on top of it right yeah. like when you build a building you put cement down and, and make a foundation so that the things you put on top of it actually have structure and don't just fall over the first time a storm comes, right? Absolutely. So the marriage can become the new foundation of something you're building that you can put things on top of, especially your own growth, right? Yeah. Um, because what's easier, having somebody tell you the truth about your, your um, character flaws and the ways you can improve or just leaving? Yeah, I mean, usually leaving, right? <laughs> if you stuck around enough to like make the decision of marriage, I'm hoping like you're smart enough to like just know that 
you know, it comes as a package. Like there are these in the package and the other things as well. Like in a way you're kind of admitting the other things in the package, like, you know, and then like you're willing to like work around them if there's something like, I don't think like people like unless you're getting married like one month into knowing each other like after a while like there's really not nothing new like that you can reveal about yourself i mean unless there's like some infidelity like involved i don't know like, people do know. that though keep that in mind what do you mean people get married like right after they meet each other some people i mean just, that's like, true that's know. why i'm excluding that example like i'm just saying like you shouldn't be surprised like if you're like a regular couple you got to know each other for a while and you got married and then you know just you're seeing a personality trait like you said okay to that like you know that comes as a package just like the good if you got married yeah exactly what about someone who isn't married and is thinking about married what marriage what would you say to them just saying like just like they're like oh here's all these things i don't like about this person but we're at that age and we need to get married like oh that's like the most bullshit like ridiculous okay first of all that's not how i operate so like, I would just never sit down and be like, oh, it's the age, like, clock is ticking, like, do it. Like, that's just, I mean, I totally understand when people do that, but that's just so against the I way think putting, I operate. Putting a, putting a like, um, an age number to it is just inaccurate because people develop and, and mature at different But it makes rates. a lot of sense. Like Some 22-year-olds wanna... should be married if they want, and, and it's the right thing, but some 22-year-olds definitely should not be married, right? It just really depends. Yeah. What was I saying? <laughs> I forgot. Um, just a few quick stats, because I, I remember always hearing a few stats about marriage and divorce rates, and then maybe you can tell me the one you looked up about Turkey. Um, so I, I just, I think this was from some Pew poll or maybe the CDC or something. Um, so the share of marriages ending in divorce increased significantly for couples married in the 60s or 70s compared with those married in the 1950s. Um, the probability of divorce within 10 years was twice as high for couples married in the 60s compared with those in the 70s and three times as high for couples married in the 70s compared to the 50s. Hmm. So that says at least that some element of either how people met each other and how well those relationships worked or some cultural element of how seriously marriage was viewed, you know, change something and that doesn't mean it changed in the 70s it could be if you're married in the 70s and you're getting divorced by the 90s it was mm-hmm. something to do with the 90s or the 2000s or something that messed messed you up right yeah i mean it can also be like people didn't really think like in the 60s 50s like if you're a single female divorced like that just like was a tough i mean you're saying people f- got married in the 50s were getting a divorce in seven. Did I misunderstand? I'm I'm saying that people in the 60s and 70s had a much who were married in the 60s and 70s had a much higher higher. divorce rate. So they were years later. Okay, than people married in the 50s. Because I'm just trying to say, like as a female, like it might be within 10 years easier to function in the 80s as a divorced single woman than in the 50s. You know what I mean? So it could just be a cultural norm that has like sort of relaxed over time, right? Yeah, and might be even a good thing. Like even divorce itself has is. I would say, culturally viewed as less of a thing mm-hmm. than probably it would be to get divorced in the 60s or something. Yeah, or the for 70s. me, like that, that's the only, like that's not the only perspective, of course, but that's how I see it. Like women probably had more opportunity to have like financial, um, what's the word? And don't forget in- the birth control pill was invented in the 70s. So that gave women way more opportunities to advance their career and not worry about 
children until they planned on having that's children. True. That's an important So if, if they were married and chose to wait a few years to have kids or something, then you know, that's, I'm just speaking totally hypothetically. I haven't looked mm-hmm. at any data. Yeah, me neither. I'm just saying like probably women had like more financial independence yeah, and exactly. more like goal exactly. career that's oriented. Part so yeah, I mean, I just see that as like a good thing, honestly. <laughs> that- yes, of course. But, but also maybe a bad thing, right? Like the, there's always that, um, sort of more liberal side of like things should change because any kind of rule system or institution or culture could be oppressive, right? But then there's also the conservative argument, which is like careful about changing things too quickly because we don't know to what extent the stability of society is is resting on certain cultural norms or rules being followed, right? Mm-hmm. I would say definitely um, marriage, if you just look at the history of it, has a, a pretty um, bleak, you know, there are a lot of, dark things about yeah and still that still exists in certain cultures you know mm-hmm. just the pra- marriage practices and stuff yeah but by and large i would say if you look at it from an evolutionary perspective which is i think one of the most powerful uh, lenses w- from which to view the world right like we're here we're alive we are we are part of an unbroken chain of people who successfully found each other and raised next generations of little monkey people like us. Um, Sorry, ape-like people like us. (laughs) We're not monkeys, we're great apes. You know, if it worked for so long, something about marriage and something about monogamy and all, all all the various things humans do, with all of its flaws, something obviously works, right? Because if it, if it's around and we've been around for, you know, so many generations, something about our cultural practices work. Yeah, but like, and I would ask, like, don't you see, like, don't have, have you been observing it? Like with all these like raising divorce rates or polyamorous people like being like, or swingers, like all kinds of like yeah. thing, people that are like, don't you think like it's signaling? I'm not well, saying that's what I think, but don't you think it's signaling that this is a little bit like get, becoming ancient and collapsing? Let me just say though the stat was not what i thought it was so you made it have you heard the it's a really popular claim it says something like half of marriages end in divorce have you heard that yeah so that was true once where um the 1970s couples the ones married in the 1970s mm-hmm. within 25 years 48 percent of them were divorced damn what happened but since then the likelihood of divorce has fallen it says it fell for couples married in the 1980s and again for those married in the 1990s. Both the likelihood of divorce has been falling and the length of marriage has been increasing. I wonder why. what's behind that. Like if there's one solid reason. I don't know. And this podcast is that? not at the uh, research level to tell you, listener, either. Um, oh, I was just but I just, I just found that interesting because if you asked me before I looked that up, I would have thought... Well, of course, they're probably high and getting higher, right? Mm-hmm. But divorce rates are not getting higher, but um, uh, the age at which people get married is getting higher, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the the rate at which people get married is getting lower. So less people are getting married, more people are staying sing- single, more people are staying in whatever it's called, like domestic relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're just living together, but you're not married. So the question is, what's preferable to just live together or to to officially be married? I mean, it depends on the... It depends, yeah. What about you then? I mean, for the longest time, I'm going to be honest, I would think that there's really no difference 
in between like getting married and just living together. Honestly, me too. Yeah. I would think what I thought when I was 25, like I don't want to, I, I used to think, oh, the idea of getting a divorce, like that, Not would, even that just would, that. No, like, I just I mean that would discourage me from leaving when I want to leave. But anyways. I see. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even like see that far. I'm like, oh, like I don't want to deal with divorce. Like it wasn't like that. It was just like if you're, you know, there's really not much that's going to change. Like if you're already committed to the person, like if you're already have that talk of like, we won't leave, like we'll stick around. We'll solve In a the sense, problems. if you have that talk at your dinner table one night, right? Yeah. And, and, and a nice romantic dinner where you go, can we just think of us as a married couple? Like, I know we're not married, but like, I, I won't leave. Like, isn't that like a form of a, a, a new and evolved wedding it's ceremony nice. between yeah, the two course. of you? But it's even more maybe genuine than the actual vows and the actual ceremony. But also at the same time, like, then like I get to a point, I'm like, oh, something inside me that I can't really put my finger on and analyze. Like once that like ancient, you know, go down on one knee, like. Probably because there's something really ancient inside of you that yeah. has that wisdom. Exactly. Right? It's not even just the proposal itself. It's just some form of security like you crave. But I don't really know why. Like I I'm not even like the type of person that was like super influenced by the my up bringing like in my culture it's insane like if you're living in the same house like no marriage oh like you know you and there's that's sin that's kind of less sin. insane in our culture meaning in america mm -hmm. in i mean it's less and less insane in, in, when i was growing up and and certainly right now and it's probably less so in turkey i feel like your your culture is um obviously different because the majority religion there is islam mm -hmm. but it's also different because like cultures evolve at different rates and for different reasons they they seem to as globalization happens and we have all this connection and see all the same movies and tv shows which is so much of culture right mm -hmm. you just sort of evolve generally as hate to say it but as older generations die younger generations you know are, aren't being enforced with the old rules right yeah that's why let's come back to my question what do you think what if it's becoming something ancient and collapsing but i mean Wouldn't not you say that statistically too I mean, for sure. But like not statistically, you said like it's the divorce rate is not as high. But I would actually just thought like I didn't compare that against the marriage rate. So how much has the marriage rate fallen? Because then obviously there wouldn't be as many people to get divorced. And yeah. they're not keeping track of like how many boyfriends and girlfriends mm -hmm. break up on Halloween while dressed in a cat costume. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> did you see that? I sent you a yeah. Instagram babe, clip. Babe, babe. <laughs> the guy's like, my favorite thing on Halloween is to see a girl in a cat costume and like a guy in some like, you know, frog costume or something being like, babe, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. And she's like, I can't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, what's happening? So, um, so you know, if, if a boyfriend and girlfriend breaks up, th that's less of a thing, right? Yeah. So I used to think, great. If you want to break up, you should be able to easily. Right. Mm -hmm. And now my argument is like, um, no, because we're too much pieces of shit as human beings. We, we're, we're not one thing and we don't stay grounded to our deep principles all the time. We need something to ground us. Right. Yeah. And the idea of making a vow or making an oath. Do you remember we were talking about this um, a couple of episodes ago, maybe like five episodes ago on the Game of Thrones philosophy podcast. I feel like this comes up every day. Like Jon Snow's oaths like has a huge part in our daily life. Like Daily life? What are you talking about? I'm I haven't said like, the word Jon Snow. Well, that's actually, that's not true. 
<laughs> I think two days ago you said something and I said, you know, nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like, for some reason, like in lots of different moments of life, we remember like what it means to like have an oath or whatever, like, you know, I, I like, guess... you always remind us that like somehow, like I feel like at this point, I've heard that like even on a nice morning walk or hold on, I'm going <laughs> to pour some wine for the microphone. ASMR. Mm. Bring it closer, probably. Please don't spill. That was like two glasses. And now the of microphone wine. is broken, and I poured way too big of a glass well, of wine. Enjoy. Good um, luck with all that. Yeah. So, you know, now I think when you make an oath, right? It seems simple at first, right? Because I think our brains crave simplicity. The world is so complicated; we crave simplicity. So here's something simple. I'm going to give you a rule and you just follow it. Right? Yeah. So here's a rule. Uh, you just made an oath to get married to someone you can never leave. Rule. Why is that good? That, I don't know, that wording. No, I I don't mean like, is it ultimately <laughs> you can't good leave, or bad? I'm, like, uh, I'm saying g- give the pros of that being just a, a, a rule, like literally like you're a robot and I program you with a rule that says you cannot leave. Like, and if someone says, you know, why don't you just leave me? I don't deserve you. You go like beep, boop, beep, bop, cannot leave. You know, like. <laughs> Dude, what the fuck? What if you think of it like a computer program? What would be good about that? Um, the f- <laughs> I don't know what would be good about it that. It makes certain decisions really easy. That's because if sure. if half of your decisions that you have to go down the decision tree and think, well, if I did this, then this would happen. If I do this, right? The all the decisions that branch off from the you're gonna break up phase go away. But like, wouldn't it also make it really like prisoner like? Yes. Oh, I, trapped. I, my next question was, what are the problems with that? Yeah, I mean, it's a that's a problem. Like, where do you draw the line? But like, that, what's... by the way, that is a really good pro, right? That half of the decision tree can just be deleted because you say irrelevant. I already set a rule, a protocol that says I can't leave. Then like, where do you draw the line? Like how much you are going to tolerate? We'll get to the line. But now what are the, what are the cons of that? Of like, you know, thinking of it as like a computer programming, like protocol. I mean, as we said, it will make you a prisoner. Like if you can't leave or if you can't like. I'll go one step further than that. It makes you not alive. Yeah, not it makes your computer not a human. That's what I mean because computers and robots just follow code, right? Mm-hmm. Now we follow code to to a lot of extents, right? The way I'm building the image of your of you, like in my in my retina and like in the in my optic nerve and however the hell it works in the brain, is all a lot of pre programming about how to deal with patterns and you know all that stuff. What I'm trying to say is that to be alive, to be a human being, is to wrestle with decision making right is to wrestle with what should i do it's not just to blindly follow rules it's to have rules because you need rules to help you to help guide you through reality but you also have to be willing to break rules right yeah now this is just an idea that's coming to my head in the moment so it might be stupid but i just thought no rule is really worth anything if it can't be broken hmm no rule is like what's a rule worth if it can't be broken or an oath let's make it an oath because that's really marriage is an oath 
and I'm trying to say like for the Jon Snow thing, which is a Game of Thrones reference, but um, just generally in life, if I make an oath to you, I say like, I swear I will do this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Is is there ever a time where I should rightly break the oath, where it's a good thing to break the oath? Yeah, I think everybody have different lines there, and then I think it should be discussed going into the relationship I yeah don't i don't think you can account for what the lines would be right? i mean there are very obvious things like cheating and stuff like how people like if you're gonna sustain a monogamous lots of couples like, stay together after cheating yeah that's i didn't say don't i'm just saying it might be a deal breaker sure like but for it, certain it people might be... and it should be discussed like i yeah, am yeah, getting yeah. into a monogamous relationship like i don't want what? anyone to <laughs> <laughs> is that news to you um what i mean is that when somebody gets cheated on or something, right? Mm -hmm. What an actual beautiful testament to the power of the oath of marriage that people can work through that, you know? <laughs> I love how you're like preparing. Don't, don't take <laughs> that the wrong way. Challenge. Don't take that the wrong way, please. What I mean to say is that that's one of the hardest things for a human to deal with, right? Like the jealousy, the, the betrayal and, and all those feelings. But to to be able to um, arrive at a feeling of, you know what, the vow I made, or rather, as we said before, with that Nordic tradition, the candle I'm holding above us, that light is way more sacred than my feelings of jealousy or betrayal. As long as that sounds very beautiful, and I'm sure a lot of couples stay together for that particular reason. <laughs> How <laughs> many girls would tell me to shut the fuck up? No, I mean, I'm, that's not what I mean. I'm just saying, like, unfortunately, people, like, after a cheating situation, when they stay together, it's usually not necessarily for holy and beautiful, sacred reasons. It's usually just, you know, everybody gets out of something. Like, they... I'm not trying to be nihilistic, but, you, you know... I know, and yeah. maybe I'm being too optimistic or Naive. too... Um, yeah. What would you say? Idealistic or whatever. Because yeah. um, like maybe that's just stupid, right? There's also reality or whatever. No one thinks of the candle. Like I don't think so, you know? Not a lot of people that get married maybe think like this. And for me, I just was too scared to get married unless I knew, I, I thought through like the depths of it. And it, 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 had to, it had to attach to something deep, you know, like, like this idea of um, if you make an oath, it should be the most painful thing for your character to break an oath, even though sometimes you might have to, right? Mm -hmm. But then the line of like, when is it appropriate to break an oath? That's really hard to answer. And I think it comes down to the individual in the individual situation. There's no one answer. And I think if you want to believe in some kind of like faith element to this, you don't have to put any necessarily religious language to it, but you could say, sit and breathe and see what your own, you know, mind body system tells you is right, you know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes even those parts of our brain really don't want to do something like you're like, you know, he, he cheated on me. Like, he, you know, he's going to get his, I'm going to take all his money in the divorce. And you're thinking all these revenge thoughts. Mm -hmm. You, if you're, if you're quiet enough and, you know, mindful enough or whatever, you could feel this sort of swell of another idea come online. And I think it's like, Maybe your your deep unconscious something in there. It's the sense of meaning, the sense of like bigger picture purpose, and you know realizing that if I if I maintain the oath, I actually create way more stability. 
not just for myself, but for my kids or for my future kids or whatever the situation is. Yeah. I just love the idea of um, people of character when they take oaths and they really mean it, right? There's something so critical about that to make humanity work. Yeah. If everyone was just lying to each other all the time, we wouldn't exist. That's true. I was just going to look into the statistics. For Turkey? Yeah. I'm curious. What are they? Let me see. My guess, by the way, and I might be totally wrong, would be that like a lot of things culturally in Turkey, my guess would be that maybe your statistics are mirroring ours by like 20 years or something like that, meaning they're 20 years behind ours. Well, I mean, there's this one since 1993. I think it's skyrocketing. By the way, since 1993, let me just say it first. Um, the divorce rates are up by 80.7%. It's basically insane amount of, but like the thing is people were really not getting it getting a divorce in the 90s, I think. That might be the reason, you know. It, do you happen to have the data on if that's like 10 years after marriage or uh, no. Because that 50% rate was that one-time thing of the 70s and then measuring 25 years later. So you can, like all statistics, you can tell very different stories depending on how you mess with the, um, mm -hmm. you know, tweak the variables. Yeah, I mean, there's some stuff. 1993, Hmm. Okay, so the couples that are married in between Actually, everything is skyrocketing. So couples that were married for five years, it's 84.5% up. Six to 10 years, 88.5. 11 to 15 years of marriage, 85.7. So Eight, what? 85.7 what? Percent up. Oh, Compared oh, oh, to like oh, 1993. The changes. Yeah, exactly. But that really has something to do with I think people really were not getting a divorce like in the 80s 90s and that's why now we watched a movie Meet the Patels is that on Netflix or was it Hulu or something mm, I think I'll it find HBO. it and, and, and link it it may, it may have been HBO and and can you just describe that a little bit that was like a it was so weird like it took me such a long time to figure out the style like not long time but like 10 minutes like that's a long time into a movie it's like a documentary but at the same time, it's a movie. Like, and at the same time, it's it? not even like a professionally shot documentary yeah. because, well, was it the sister or something? Yeah, it was a sister. Like, anyway, I mean, it was about this. Um, I mean, I don't want to be inappropriate. They were Indians, right? Like a certain yes. kind of. I don't know which village. I but, mean, either like, but anyway, the village Patels, where Patels, apparently, yeah. yeah, that last name is like. I don't know. They have like a caste system of some sort. Like, you need to get married with someone. Like the Patels, like they're not necessarily related, but they're these like bazillion of it them. It sort of signifies it's social caste, status. Yeah, yeah, caste system thing. So anyway, yeah. And this guy, like American, like for, I guess he was like second generation, right? The parents were first generation. Yeah. 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 He was born and raised here, like an American, like had a like white girlfriend for a while and everything. They go back there every year, I think, right? He, yeah, they would go back to India every year. And then one year, like, the relationship failed, and then he decided, okay, like, mom, find me a girl, like, whatever, I'll just Which do it. Which the parents had been wanting to do exactly. the whole time. Yeah. Obviously, they can't control him. He's doing whatever. But this whole concept of, you know, it's not arranged marriages in the sense of, like, it's the year. 
you know, 700 and, and you just live in a tiny village and there's no world out there. Like he was literally using like Tinder or whatever. I don't know what. Not Tinder. Like he had a profile and then they would give this like literally CV to like other parents so that oh, they can the, like, yeah. yeah, like show it to their daughters or whatever. And this is the modernized version of it. Like That's what, what I was mean. so it's, fascinating. It's, <laughs> what was so fascinating in that movie was like, since it was a documentary, they would like interview with real Indian couples. And most of them were like, oh, like we've been married for like whatever, 35 years. And like, I've seen him on the like wedding day, like one time, one day, like he came in, he was short, but he was funny. haha. Ha, like we got married. I'm like, what the fuck? Even, even the way the dad <laughs> talked about the mom, right. Yeah. Was like, um, something I forget. It, yeah. But they it, seem insanely happy. It seemed though. like, it seemed like, Oh, I like, we didn't really like each other at first, but you know, now, now it's good, you know? Yeah. But it, it's, it's such a different, um, way of viewing marriage compared to like the the love first find find mr perfect find the perfect this and and you know live happily ever after like we sort of have that in our culture is like this fairy tale idea that we all think we're living up to but it rarely happens that way because no one's yeah. perfect I, I don't know like, and if you did find mr perfect then why is he with you because you're definitely not perfect right yeah <laughs> but but they don't really care about that in fact they the modernized version is they get to know each other for a few dates, right? And then if you decide to move forward, you do that. And yeah. the dad was pretty reasonable. He was like, you know, I did it very differently. I understand the world has changed. This is how we do it now. But yeah. we still set you up, but it's totally up to you. Like you can go on dates with however many yeah. girls you want type of thing. Yeah. Try 20 different people. But th there's also the idea of like, if so their culture stresses that marriage is important. Mm -hmm. Like the idea of not getting married seems like you failed in life, right? Yeah. Because maybe it's just implicit. They don't even have to have an explicit rule that they're following, right? Most animals in the animal kingdom just follow rules implicitly. They don't sit there and think about the rules, right? Yeah. Maybe marriage is just so implicit in most cultures that it's like, it's so critical to to lead a successful life that it's been encoded in our culture as something you must do, right? Yeah, I mean, it's still a little bit like that in Turkey, I would say. I was gonna say, it's somewhat, there's a vibe of arrangedness, but just not in Oh, no, in no, that, no, I'm not saying like arranged. Is that not? Look, no, that's- Because like, I've seen like some TV shows and, and things where that seems to be the general no, vibe. No, no, like, okay, let me just clarify that. I meant like the, like if you are not married, like, you know, just there's like, how can you spend your life like by yourself, like type of ideology, like it's a little bit of a The thing. idea of somebody idea. saying like, no, I just like being single. Like that's what I'm going to do. They would be like, what are you, yeah, what, like, are, what you are you mean? talking about? Like no <laughs> husband, like what? Like, or right. no white, like, well, yeah. no girl. I think, I like, think it's a little bit more biased towards women in oh, that yeah. regard, right? I mean, obviously don't get me started, but anyway, like. That's also just a biological, like, like, the, <laughs> can I read this other quote that Peterson said after that? Before that. Oh, sure. Go ahead. Let me clarify. There's no arranged, like, at least, I mean, of course there is. Like, there's also child brides, like, in certain parts of the country, which is, like, so heartbreaking. There's but probably all sorts of messed up shit happening yeah. in, on all places on Earth, sometimes but, um, more frequent in certain places. For but. sure. Like, but, like, the, where I grew up, like, the, you know, cultural cycle yeah. of and especially mine, like, there's no arranged marriage, like, or Especially your like family, that. like... Yeah. Um, I mean, we or live together like, yeah. and we, we aren't married and we lived together the year before we got engaged, you know? Yeah. In fact, I kind of thought like, I wouldn't really want to, you know, propose 
to someone about marriage before I've lived together because like that's exactly what I wanted also like I'm like yeah like I can't that part seems logical to me but a lot of marriages are more strict like obviously that meet the Patels Indian caste system whole arranged marriage thing is the uh, the more strict version of it but the less strict version would be I don't know um, you cannot um, do more than going on dates before you get married you know or no sex before marriage or or any of these rules yeah they're interesting because it's like, we want you to make the oath that you can't leave before you find out all the reasons you should leave, <laughs> right? Before you live with someone, how are you going to know what their bad sides are? Exactly. Before you have sex with someone, how are you going to know if you're compatible? Yeah, that way? Like, exactly. Like just, um, but the, the idea is like, you make the oath first and then you're like, well, guess, guess I got to stick around and make it work. <laughs> But also for most of human history, you were busy just surviving. You weren't like watching Netflix and wondering if you like the same TV shows. Like we're definitely lacking some form of like complexity in life. Challenge, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously now there's a pandemic and we're all like psychologically messed up. So like... Because we're not prepared because we haven't been moored to anything deep, maybe. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like the last like psychotic war was like, when was it? Like World War II? I mean, Cold War? Like World War II was the last insane war. Um I think a lot of the other wars like um, Korean, Vietnam, and then all the, all the Middle East wars have just been these smaller proxy wars. And because just because since you have nuclear weapons, like the idea of like an all out world war has like a, a pretty big limit case on it. Right. Like not even the war. Like, I, I don't know, like you haven't like murdered someone like. I haven't. You're right. <laughs> no, like, what okay, do you mean? Hold on, like, hold on. Um, let me just get to it. Like, life is safe, you know? Like, no one's gonna, luckily, probably, statistically, just, like, pull a gun, like, like shoot you, like, in the street, or, like, slaughter you, know you, like, or something. Like, there's no danger. Like, we got so accustomed to, like, just be chill, so... There's not no danger, but, I mean, but there's, there's a lot, lot less danger than if you go back 500 years, right? Yeah. There's a website called humanprogress.org, and it's just a compilation of a bunch of graphs showing differences in in various statistics like how advanced time. the health is like or something you know for example if you look at infant mortality rate i forget how it changed but it was something crazy yeah. like one out of four children I died know. and now it's something much much lower than I that i saw that yeah um so uh there's that quote that goes um i think it's it's from some kind of like sci-fi book or whatever but it's kind of popular so maybe it, it it's before this but it's the 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 concept you'll have heard it from me before um it's that hard times create strong men strong men create um good times good times create weak men weak men create harsh times <laughs> like the cycle right i see leave the man part out of it just say like humanity cycle you know like mm-hmm. you know when when times are good we lose connection to the deep aspects of culture that that keep us grounded through the the storm of reality, right? Yeah. When times are bad, we rely on them, we need them, and we fall back on them. And that maybe they're in in something like the Carl Jung collective unconscious type territory where they're so evolved and deep in our psychology, it's not personal unconscious like your memories. It's like the deep unconscious like the thing inside you that knows snakes are bad, the thing inside you that knows, you know, honesty is good or or love is good, like things so deep and, and almost religious, right? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that when you're in bad times, when reality is quite tough, 
reality itself forces humans to fall back on their de- the deepest, truest aspects of culture. Mm-hmm. And I would say marriage, just because when you look across cultures, if anything exists in almost all cultures, there's a good chance it's a really important feature, you know? Mm-hmm. I just like, I think part of it is also, maybe that's what you were trying to say. Sorry if I like, I'm repeating. You always do that like 80% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so like maybe people like, endured more that in back in the days that they would endure more on their relationships or like personal lives as well but like they were busy with other shit like yeah that's what i mean all the like, crops died we're not you know, gonna survive the winter were coming or something or that like, yeah i was going back things. all the way to like yeah, the true. year you know but like that's such a recent history like nazis are coming thing it's like, true that there are for people this. alive from that time like that's all i want to say yeah. you know that's that recent what if we lose the so, war yeah and the Nazis take over. Also, watch Jojo Rabbit. This is like a really great movie. Oh, yeah. That was a good movie. We saw that recently. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so, like, I think there were, like, they needed more than, like, any time. Like, there's always something. Like, they needed companionship. So, like, if things are fine, if you're, like, you know, you would endure against all that with someone, like, rather than doing it alone. I think, like, people really value that. And right now, obviously, times have changed. So I understand. But like, I think you, you know. could say it even the opposite way, which is the challenge of a reality like that is what makes people endure it. Because when when there's when the the out, outside world is more chaotic, you go, well, at least I've got this marriage. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, at least I have a teammate facing it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's what I try to tell you. Yeah. And I th- I think. Um, back to the biological aspect, this is what um, Peterson was saying after he was talking about that holding the light above you tradition. Because one of the most unfair biological differences between men and women um, is the fact that women have to carry a baby. Yeah. That, that makes you very vulnerable and it makes you very dependent on someone to help, not only while you're carrying a baby, but after the baby's born, humans compared to other species are helpless for so long. We require so many years of development before we're barely functional, you know? Mm -hmm. Imagine a three-year-old, you're like, we gotta run, there's a bear coming. And he's like, you know, just standing there pouting in the the forest or something, right? Like, I mean, you have to carry it, right? You, you You have to do everything for a kid up until a certain age, right? Yeah. Um, Anyways, he says, quote, male creatures, why not impregnate and run? I mean, why the hell not? Really, no kidding. That's the thing to think about. It's not why men abandon their children. That's the mystery. It's why any men ever stick with them. That's the mystery. You just have to look at the animal kingdom. The simplest and easiest thing is always the most likely thing to occur. By that, he means in evolution. Natural selection always finds the most, um, the easiest um, solution, right? Mm-hmm. So, natural selection, the, the 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 driving force is the selfish gene, right? It's not even you that tries to get to the next generation, although parts of your psychology think that way. It's your genes. Your genes are the thing that the information encoded within them are trying to get to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And natural selection always finds the the simplest and often very elegant, but it doesn't have to be. It can be very crude, right? Mm-hmm. When a new when a new lion male comes into a herd and takes over, the old male goes away and has to figure out how to live life on his own. 
might even die, right? If he has injuries or something. Mm -hmm. What's the first thing that the male lion, the new alpha male lion does? What is it? It murders the cubs that that the other male lion produced, right? Just eats them. Because that's not his DNA, right? Yeah, or the last night's frog, remember? Oh, we were watching two frogs fight on this. Um, <laughs> was that Apple TV Plus? Yeah. It was a this new Apple TV Plus documentary about um, uh, Tiny World, right? Yeah. Weirdly enough, Paul Rudd is narrating it. I thought it was going to be a comedy and it turned out to be, his, he was actually, he's quite good, good. at it. Yeah. yeah I was impressed. I mean, Paul Rudd is awesome. Also, we watched this Hot Ones. He's he's a nice guy. Look, you know, I I don't do. I don't have a problem with him. I I don't know. Like whenever I see him in a movie, I'm like, it's him again, and I want to punch him. But maybe it's just me. Turns out he's a nice guy. That's it. Um, We can go back to our topic now. Well, the last thing about the topic was that um, because the simplest thing is the thing you would expect to always occur when you look throughout nature and and evolution, right? the fact that human beings make these long-term commitments and stick around is the exception. And that's the thing that you need to explain. That's the, the unique miracle thing that makes us human, right? Now, of course we cheat if you look across humans, but so do monogamous species. There are monogamous species out there, but there are very few of them that are monogamous and don't cheat. Most of them cheat. The male so... birds like fly off at, at, before the sun rises and just go have a little fun time with some other female bird. And then they fly back to the nest. And, and <laughs> So you think like, not you think, but I'm just saying, so the answer should be like, should it be normalized? I think the answer should be like, when, when, when compared against some form of an ideal, you can point out problem after problem in culture. But when you compare it to the fact that we are animals, right? We're just an evolved, a highly evolved ape. And you just look at human history, the, the one we know, never mind the, the history that we don't know that goes back 100,000 years, right? Imagine being a humanoid type figure like 50,000 years ago. What, what a confusing and, and stressful life that would be just constantly worrying about survival and and hunting and gathering and constantly be, you know, it's so different than what we have now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the first marriage wasn't until like 2000 BC, somewhere in Mesopotamia, and human beings didn't settle down and form societies until 10,000 BC, so like 12,000 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. When the agricultural revolution started. And obviously, all, then our culture evolved much more quickly than our biology, right? Mm-hmm. But certain things in our biology already existed deep in our psychology and then culture sort of got programmed. It's like software that goes on top of hardware in a computer, you know? Mm-hmm. So the short answer is? <laughs> the short answer is I think it's quite a miracle that we have as much good in the world that we do. And I think I think marriage is something that has so much potential to provide stability that we might not understand, you know, that, that maybe maybe it saved so many people and that it kept them together when things were tough, you know? And there's the religious element to it. So if you believe that you made an oath in front of not just family and friends, but you made an oath in front of God, that that adds an extra element of like, oh shit, I better not break this oath, you know? Mm -hmm. All right, two other quick topics to hit. All right. Embedded in marriage is love, right? Mm -hmm. You would think. Um. What is love? Baby, don't hurt. <laughs> Shit. Of course. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I mean, I can't answer that. Just a very complicated answer. You don't have an answer to what is love? I mean, I do, but like not after like two glasses of wine, probably. Also, Shouldn't you like, have a better answer to what is no, love after saying, two glasses of wine? No, I mean, I'm just saying also like not immediately like off the bat. Maybe like if you give me 24 hours, I would have a really good answer. But like... All right, if I record an intro tomorrow morning, that'll be like 12 hours away. Can you maybe have that? <laughs> we'll stitch it in. God, leave me alone. Okay, what is love? You don't have to actually answer it if you don't have one. Um, and I'm not, <laughs> I love you like if you don't have one. I'm not even going to necessarily answer it. I think I've said it in different ways. Like I think one of the ways I, I enjoyed saying it was, um, and that's not me saying it, I'm just quoting someone else, but the Richard Rohr, he's like that um, Francis Franciscan monk or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, well, whatever, something like that. Um, <laughs> some kind of Christian mystic, like, you know, not just like a, a regular priest, but like one of the cool ones. <laughs> All right. And he says, love is saying yes to what is. Okay. And I've also heard, like, I think of that Ram Dass quote a lot, right? love everyone and tell the truth. Like, so, you know, again, love is nothing if not balanced by some kind of counter value. Perhaps that's truth, right? Mm -hmm. Love is saying yes to what is. It's like that book by Tara Brock, Radical Acceptance, I think it's it's called. Um, It's this idea that to love someone is not to accept everything about them in the sense that you don't ever have to change. It's to accept everything about them in the sense that, like, I totally understand why you are what you are. Mm-hmm. Your reality, your genes and your upbringing and all the things about your environment made you who you are. And who you are is actually defined by your limitations. Your your bad sides are just the the, the mirror image of your good sides, right? Yeah. If you draw a shape about let's say you're on a white piece of paper and you draw a shape with a with a black marker and you say everything inside the shape is you and everything outside the shape is not you well the not you parts are your limitations right it's the things that you don't have that aren't you right otherwise you would be the all-powerful you know god in charge of the universe or something right yeah so i i like that idea of like love as just Saying yes to what is meaning you accept what is because you see that reality just is. You know, of course, what else is reality, right? Marcus Aurelius talks about that a lot too. Um, But let me read this Alan Watts quote. You know Alan Watts, right? Yeah. I read that quote. Oh, you did? Um, And 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 of course, this is going to sound a little bit weird because this is just from a lecture. And he has such a funny way. I, I get the feeling that he probably smoked weed before a lot of these lectures. He just has that air about him. But who knows? He could have been coming off like a two-week meditation retreat. But he says this. Well, now, really, when we go back to falling in love and say, it's crazy. Falling, you see, we don't say rising into love. There is in it the idea of the fall. And it goes back, as a matter of fact, to extremely fundamental things that there is always a curious tie at some point between the fall and the creation. Taking this ghastly risk is the condition of their being life. Um, he goes on to talk about the fact that it's a gamble, right? Um, you know, you don't know what's going to happen, but I love this idea that 
to, to fall in love. Why does our culture have that language? Does yours have anything? I know I it's Ashik Oldham, right? Yeah. What is Ashik? Is it just the state of being in love? Yeah, Ashik is love. Ashik. I became Ashik. Like in love. Yeah, I became Ashik. Yeah, I became in love. Yeah, we don't say falling. I just realized that also. Yeah, we don't have that. I love that it's falling because there is an act of surrender to love. You surrender some, you know, element of truth to some transcendent element of truth or something like that, right? So he goes on to say, uh, blah, 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 blah. the moment that you enter into any kind of human undertaking and relationship, what an act of faith. See, you've given yourself up, but this is the most powerful thing that can be done. Surrender, see? And love is an act of surrender to another person. Total abandonment. abandonment. I give myself to you. Take me. Do anything you like with me. See? So that's quite mad because you see, it's letting things get out of control. All sensible people keep things in control. Yeah. It's like, how do you keep that, that damn ego in control is you have to make it subordinate to something, to love, right? To surrender. Yeah. Isn't that the image of, of so many beautiful spiritual things, including Jesus, right? It's surrender. It's voluntarily surrendering, you know? I guess so. I mean, I don't have much to say about the religious part, so. So actually, therefore, the course of wisdom, what is really sensible, is to let go, is to commit oneself, to give oneself up, and that's quite mad, meaning crazy. So we come to the strange conclusion that in madness lies sanity. <laughs> I mean, he loved to do that in his lectures. He would always get to the the critical, like, defining points of, of just saying, like, you know, in within evil lies the flower of, of good that's being born with, within madness lies sanity and mm -hmm. these kinds of things, you know? I, I find that, I, I found that nice though, that, that the concept of falling in love, because I, I, I agree with it, like personally, someone as someone who has a stronger ego, you know, um, I, I have to, to surrender that sense of like ego and winning and, and all of that stuff by remembering that love is bigger, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's all the hard stuff. Definitely, like, not an easy thing to do, but... Well, it is an easy thing to do once you do it because it's so obvious that you did something good. Your body literally responds to you like, good job. Yeah, that you reward. You idiot, you almost yeah, like, didn't do that. I know, I love that feeling. <laughs> when, like, your ego is split between winning or surrendering to love. Yeah, and then like, you say or do the right thing. Like, that feeling. Oh the feeling God. right after, like, say, yeah. you're angry and you <laughs> just go... Actually, I, I was being petty. Like, I totally let this go. Yeah. And and you show your partner that, like, you being peacefully together is way more important than you winning a little micro battle. There's nothing that feels better as the person who surrendered, you know? Very true. Very true. I mean, it feels good as the other person. It feels better as the person feels better as the surrenders person. 100%. In the same way, it can sometimes feel better to do a favor for someone else than it does to get a favor to, you know, done to you. Yeah, that's kind of true. I hate when people do nice things for me. I just feel weird. I'm like, me, Ugh. I mean, I don't ask for nice things. Like, yeah. you know me. I'm, I don't think I ever yeah, ask really for anything. Me neither. For better or worse. I'll just like die, you know, before I ask. But it, when you, when you, you know, like when you have an idea and you think about someone else, you think, oh, I just thought of the perfect way to like give them a nice gift or to help them or do something nice. And yeah. you, it's not just like a, a stupid like, Oh, it's like a holiday, so I'll I'll just get some random gift I find. But like you think of a gift that is unique, they won't think of, but they'll love. Like when when all the things line up, yep. that feels great. 
and it's it, it when you I, I hope for most people when you dig underneath it it doesn't feel great because you're like I'm gonna get all the social status points for thinking of a clever gift it feels great because you imagine like I just made that person happy I just made their life better you know yeah same thing in that you know you give up oh, okay I this is not important to me you know let's let this fight go it's fine you know I'm expecting more of a ah. performance like that. More as soon as I hit stop on the recording, I'm bringing back our our, our dinner fight from tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, did I miss anything in the notes or anything? The iPad's all the way over there. My glass of wine is all the way over here. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't been checking it. On Maybe we'll uh, redo a marriage episode in like however many episodes once we're actually married. <laughs> Yeah. And hopefully we have similar opinions. Maybe like abort. <laughs> like, yeah. We'll be like, that was a terrible idea. Guys, guys, if you're listening to episode 20, abort. This is not what we think anymore. <laughs> it's horrible. Get out. <laughs> I doubt it. Yeah. See. <laughs> Anything else? Bye. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. See ya. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Exploring Kodawari. If you enjoyed it, we hope you'll consider sharing it on social media and with friends. You can also help us out by leaving a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Those help us more than you would think. And if you'd like to help us out in a more substantial way, consider going over to our website to make a donation through PayPal. Links are in the episode notes for this. You can do this as a one-time donation or a recurring monthly donation. All of that support will help us to set aside time in order to create content for the podcast and the blog. And finally, please get in touch with us and say hi, either on social media or privately through email. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and see you next time.